0: Resorts, homes and a newly built hospital have been washed away.
1: No electricity, nothing whatsoever.
2: We need to be prepared for the future.
0: I'm just holding on for dear life here, this isn't fun. Pacific prepared.
2: Pacific prepared.
0: Plan this time before disaster strike. Every
1: natural disaster gets worse.
2: What happens when something goes wrong and how do they respond to it?
1: And make sure everyone's safety comes first.
0: Save what for dream? You must ready.
2: Clearing roads, restoring critical infrastructure.
0: Eventually, I know it's going to hit. It's only a matter of time.
2: Helping your community.
0: Helping your family. Helping you.
2: Pacific Prepared.
0: Pacific Prepared. Pacific Prepared.
3: Hello and welcome to Pacific Prepared. I'm Fred Hooper. We've got a great team of reporters who are on the ground chatting to you. And the stories we bring you could help you, your family and your community prepare for natural disasters. The weather and how it affects you is already part of your life. So let's keep talking about being prepared. On today's show, drought in Tonga. People and communities are needing help at the moment to access fresh water. Also, how natural disasters impact glass and plastic recycling. And all the flow-on effects. And helping farmers to think about more resilient food crops in PNG. That's all coming up. This is Pacific Prepared.
0: What's your plan? Are you ready to leave your home? Plan now before disaster strikes. Pacific Prepared.
3: When you think about the Pacific, you probably don't think about drought. It can be difficult to imagine. Countries that are surrounded by massive amounts of water, but they also have limited amounts of fresh water. This is very much the case in Tonga at the moment. The National Emergency Management Office are helping communities to get fresh water. Pacific Prepared reporter Anna C.U. Falakono reports from Tonga.
0: Most islands in Ha'apai are being urged to use water wisely now as they are facing water shortages due to drought. As such, the National Emergency Management Office, or NEMO, is currently providing assistance to the communities of Ha'apai who have been affected by the drought. The impact of drought is being felt by most islands in Ha'apai with many water tanks containing no water at all or empty. The director of Nemo Maka says they have provided assistance to some of the islands, such as Otomo and Lulunga district, after they received emergency requests from the town offices, as they desperately need drinking water for the people. Maka says the amount of water that has been desalinated on the island of Nomuka is more than twenty thousand liters and close to sixty thousand liters on the island of Haafeba. <laughs>
2: Everyone knows we are currently in the drought period, and warnings have been issued from the Tonga Meteorological Services for the people to be prepared for the impacts from a prolonged drought period. For now, we have received reports from Ha'apai about the impacts recorded due to drought and it's clear no rainfall has been recorded lately. The people needed water and we had to do what we could to help them immediately. We knew we had to desalinate seawater as the best option to provide drinking water for the people of the most affected areas.
0: It has been reported the islands have been dealing with the impacts from drought for about three months and the impact are also recorded on the agricultural sector especially with yam and watermelon. Green grass has turned brown and there's a great concern about the livestock especially the horses and cows.
2: At the moment, it's clear that there's not much rainwater collected, as there has been no rainfall for a while now, and drinking water is one of the basic needs. As such, we are trying to ensure that affected areas have access to safe drinking water at all times. As part of the preparation for the impacts of drought, we visit the islands such as Ewa to remind them to be prepared for the impact, know what to do when the environment is affected by the drought period and most importantly, to use water wisely now.
0: As it is not yet confirmed how long the people of Ha'apai will face the drought period, the Director of NEMO is again urging the people to use water wisely and to be prepared for the severe impacts of drought.
3: Pacific Prepared reporter Anna C U Falakono giving us the latest information on the drought situation in Tonga, and how the government is stepping in to assist at the moment. For Emmao, before disaster strikes, Pacific prepared. In Fiji, there's some people who make some of their income from collecting recyclable containers. And at the same time, they're also keeping the streets clean. But if there's a natural disaster, understandably, their priorities change. They're at home. They're trying to rebuild or clean up from any damage caused, which creates a bit of a backlog of waste, which doesn't then help with flooding when the drains are blocked. Recently, I spoke with Waste Recyclers Fiji to find out more about the state of recycling in Fiji and how natural disasters impact that.
4: So recycling is not very well understood in Fiji in, in, in its context of things. Here we tend to think recycling is more of an art and craft type project um, and, and that's how leaders and, and everybody else has been preaching and for us that's, that's been a huge challenge to sort of get the recycling message out in the first place that what recycling means. So My name is Amitesh Teo, I'm CEO Director for Waste Recyclers Fijiland and, and also we've just founded a foundation called Pacific Recycling Foundation we So in Fiji's context of it, recycling should be well advanced because we've been around for so many years uh, and we actually celebrated our 20th anniversary last month um, but we are far from it. Uh, so, be- And one of the key challenges has been that the lack of support that uh, that is around in terms of government agencies sort of providing that right support, lack of uh, support. To influence mindset change and and uh, sort of uh, policies are there, but then the desire, the willingness to implement the policies, so that that is also a struggle. Um, so yeah, in terms of recycling, we we are quite um, quite far from from the desired uh, place. And waste management generally in Fiji uh, is is not in a, in its ideal uh, space eh, where it should be.
3: So, what happens here when, when you collect the waste and you, various different types glass, cardboard, and plastic? What does it look like when it's finished or you're finished with it here?
4: So it mostly gets baled into different bales, so we have plastic that gets, re- uh, you know, different sorting processes, you've got caps that comes out and all of those things, all of those gets baled into different uh, different uh, bales, uh, different product types, colour coordinated, whatever the uh, requirements will be from the recycling facility where we uh, have to send these products to, and, and it gets baled and, and shipped out that way. So the sorting process, uh, the collection and the sorting process is probably the bigger part of what the challenges that we face um, yeah that's it right.
3: what role does does waste management or recycling ultimately play when there's a natural disaster how do those two things interact so with the natural disasters again uh, i mean
4: one of the key areas like you i'm sure would know is when uh, when in in natural disaster any natural disaster it's usually the women and the members of the lgbt community and the marginalized that get affected impacted the most so one of the i mean if in cities and urban centers and areas close to cities, when we're talking about flooding and all of those things, which is becoming more and more regular in, in and uh, you know records show that you know places that would never flood before are now flooding, and all of those things it one of the key elements there is really that we are not keeping our drains clean because all these recyclables, all of this plastic and bottles are ending up in you know in in those areas so it really has an impact on how then that affects uh, you know, lives and uh, livelihoods of people. But the other element of, uh, of uh, natural disasters is the group that it affects are also individuals who then go back and sort of collect these recyclables. So when we have a natural disaster, when we have, like when we had Winston, for example, a few years ago, the individuals who were engaged in waste picking could not get their lives back together for, I think, a good six, seven months. So during those six, seven months, recyclables were still being produced, but we were not able to collect it.
3: Right, so the, the group of people that are collecting a lot of the recyclables that you require here just couldn't go out and get it because they're trying to live, essentially.
4: Yeah, and their livelihoods are affected, so their homes are affected. And they, they, you know, their houses get washed away. They they, so yeah, it, it takes them a, a while to get their lives put back together here water is almost luxury to many communities because you don't get normal supply of water you could get uh, water at certain hours of the day but then it goes off and and, and all that and when does come back it's it's uh, you know usually not you can't consume yeah, it, right. yeah, and all of those things. So that is a huge problem. But there are mechanisms for organizations, agencies, to put filter, you know, filter systems in there. In there, what we are now uh, doing, what we are implementing across uh, where our operations are. But it took us a long time to get there, too, mostly because of the cost factors that are part of all of those things. But when we do cost analysis, uh, filter systems is obviously more feasible and and all that. So getting away from that uh, that that just comfort of just getting bottled water, and and realizing that actually that that bottle of when when it's empty represents so many different things. So it could represent income for informal waste pickers, but it for environmental aspects, it also is such a huge uh, problem in managing that those bottles of uh, you know those yeah. empty bottles. Yeah,
3: you were, you were saying before that people have got a certain image of Fiji in their minds um that's not maybe doesn't match up to what you think is the reality of what's happening in terms of how clean or um, but all i guess it feeds back into waste management across fiji as well what what is that current image that people have and what is the reality at the moment in terms of recycling and where it is at at fiji
4: I mean, so Fiji is a very beautiful place and, and all of those, and you know, for some of us as individuals, we would never be anywhere else but Fiji, but what really matters is that uh, we we tend to, like, my, my reference to that was when we were beginning to talk about individuals who are engaged in waste picking, and these are very marginalised groups of individuals, women, uh, uh, people from LGBT community, you know... Uh, so this
3: if- is people who are going around collecting their own waste and bringing it to you, essentially?
4: Yeah, their everyday life basically depends on waste collection. That is their field, that is their trade. But there's such a stigma attached to that. Eh? There is uh, name-calling, there is uh, there is all of that that is part of that trade, and the lack of recognition, but also the desire not to bring them out and talk about it. Eh? When we were trying to do this two, three years ago, there was this real um, real pushback that, no, waste speakers, individuals who do waste speaking, don't even exist in Fiji. And then we had to structure these groups and then position them as empowered uh, or us trying to empower them so we can help them transit into formal sectors and and provide financial literacy and all of those things that we are currently working with these groups. So what that is, is yes, we have a serious problem. We have serious challenges in waste management uh, and recycling in general. We need to be able to talk about it uh, and talk about it in the local context of things where we can share our experiences. When we say about recycling, uh, one of the key challenges is also because we, we tend to beautify everything uh, and social media has also been a huge influence where everybody has to be happy, everything has to be pretty and beautiful and all of those things. And what we do is unfortunately none of that, right? We, we walk in an area that there's no glamour or sexy, uh, sexiness about any of those things. So it becomes really difficult for us to send a message out that that can actually want people to be part of it. But also nobody wants to be shown or seen to be doing that. So when we started putting this out as one of the key components of, um, of waste recycling is the informal waste collection. We had to put ourselves out there but we also had to project it Okay, these are groups of individuals who are really doing something uh, important and 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 worthwhile. Because be, without them, the municipal councils don't have the resources to go and collect these recyclables. I mean, if you look at Fiji's, uh, there's something like thirty, twenty, thirty, forty percent kind of
3: uh, collection rate that is purely dependent on informal waste collectors. Waste recyclers, Fiji, speaking about the impact that natural disasters can have on the ability of people to recycle in the country.
2: It was a terrifying night. It was shaking and getting pounded by debris.
3: We had to make sure that they have a safe shelter and drinking water.
0: Helping you stay safe, Pacific prepared.
3: If you're hearing this, you're obviously interested in the Pacific, which is why I wanted to let you know about ABC Pacific website. You can listen back to anything you hear on the program and it's just a good way for you to connect with us. You can share information with us, maybe something that you're working on in the disaster preparedness space, or maybe you've got some feedback for us. There's also a heap of links on there that you might be interested in too. Pacific Beat for all your news and current affairs in the Pacific. And for all the latest sports news, we've got Can You Be More Pacific? Plus heaps more. The easiest way to get in touch is to search for ABC Pacific, then click through to Pacific Prepared, then hit the Contact Us button. There's a lot of places across the Pacific that are isolated. Maybe your village only has one road in and out. Or maybe there's no roads. You can only get there by boat or even plane. I think it's fair to say this would be common across Pacific countries. So what happens if there's a natural disaster and then there's no way in? Communities would then be turning to their own food supplies in these cases. But if they're also damaged or lost during the disaster, then things can get pretty hard. Pacific Prepared reporter Diane Wachetsi has this report on ways to help communities who might find themselves in this situation.
1: The Papua New Guinea National Research Institute has embarked on the rollout of a sweet potato conservation project in disaster-prone areas within the country. Funded by a grant from the Benefit Sharing Fund of the International Treaty for Planned Genetic Resources, ITPGR, TEPTEP is one of four target sites for a sweet potato plant genetic resource project. Situated at the border of Medein-Rikos District and Moroba. Kabum District, is TEPTEP and is only accessible by small planes or a few days' walk to reach a truck or boat route to Lay or Medan Province. Pacific prepared spoke to National Agriculture Institute's crop protection scientist Gure Tumai on the sweet potato project in TEPTEP.
5: Tebet was chosen to pilot this project using sweet potato because number one. Sweet potato is a staple crop at TEPTEP. However, the crop biodiversity on the farmer fields is very low according to our uh, baseline survey. And this comes about because of the very narrow selections that are done by the the farmers themselves. And actually, this is a phenomenon that is uh, seen all over the country. Number two, TEPTEP is one of the hotspots in Papua New Guinea that that is vulnerable to risks induced by unpredictable climate change. So this intervention is part of the strategy to build communities that are food resilient. Now, the climate in TEPTEP is somewhat uh, similar to other parts of the country, but one of those important reasons why it becomes um, the place becomes uh, food insecure during hot times like this is due to the isolation and the access to that place by air only. So you can see that food from the stores is quite impossible for them to access, or even if it is available, it is really costly. Okay. Uh, Reason number three is, we want to work with farmers themselves to find out which sweet potato varieties are suitable for them, both for food and cash income.
1: And that was Nari Crop Scientist Gure Tumai. This project focuses on helping farmers and schools at project sites conserve and utilize sweet potato varieties. The Papua New Guinea Nari helps conduct trainings to help farmers look after their sweet potato genetic resources and maintain a wide diversity. It also promotes inclusive participation of members of farming households towards common goals like food security, inclusive decision making in family farm businesses and resilience against effects of climate change.
5: It is important for the farmers to learn how to create or breed their own sweet potato varieties and maintain the diversity created to help with their resilience, full voice. So to help with this, Nari is bringing the scientific skills and knowledge to the farmers right into their gardens. And also, we bring this to the primary schools, which are found within the project sites, and we engage the students from grade 6 up to grade 8, and their teachers in this um, scheme.
1: And that was crop protection scientist Gure Tumai. Another village to follow in the footsteps of Tep-Tep is Galoma in Rigo District, in the central province of Papua New Guinea, who has also kicked off its sweet potato pilot project with the help of Nari. Rigo was identified as another disaster-prone area through a recent baseline survey by Nari. The survey found that Rigo was reliant on one crop, the banana, making it vulnerable. It is also wise to introduce a new source of crop to assist the people of Rigo.
5: So, it is uh, wise to introduce uh, sweet potato as an alternative crop that can provide resilience during uh, tough times. Uh, Like elsewhere, where you have uh, food crops being closely related to the cultures, um, sweet potato is not in the culture, in their culture, in Rico. And so we we have to involve them in this uh, participatory varietal selection uh, trials so that they can see for themselves how sweet potatoes are planted How they grow, how they can prepare soil and how long it will take. And they have to harvest the sweet potato tubers themselves. They have to taste them. And it's up to them to adopt them uh, into their farming system, into their, uh, into, into their dietary allocations uh, in the families.
1: And that was Crop Protection Scientist Gure Tumai of the National Agriculture Institute. The people of Galoma and TEPTEP are working closely with Nari to ensure that their food security is well on its way to being secured for future generations to come.
3: Pacific Prepared reporter Diane Waketsi reporting from Papua New Guinea on the help available to farmers to help make their crops a little more resilient when it comes to natural disasters
0: prepared is to save lives to save properties helping you stay safe
2: what happens when something goes wrong and how do they respond to it
0: plan this time before disaster strike every natural disaster gets worse pacific prepared
2: pacific prepared
0: pacific prepared
3: After the Tongan volcanic eruption in early 2022, a lot of the residents from outer islands had to be relocated to the main island of Tonga. The tsunami that followed the eruption wiped out homes and villages, making it impossible for people to live in some places. The relocation has been happening ever since. Pacific Prepared reporter C U Falakono has been keeping an eye on how things are going and has this report from Tonga.
0: The Majesty is King Diboda VI and Queen Anasipao are taking the lead in the resettlement project called Balitua. Balitua is the Tongan word for shield or refuge. The name of the project was taken from the Tongan hymn of the Free Western Church, reminding the people following the devastation on the fifteenth of January that through the most difficult moments of hardship in life, God is still our refuge. The Paletoa project is their majesty's resettlement project for the residents of the estates only, which are the people from the island of Mangofaapai Islands and the people from the village of Kanokopolo on the western side of Tongatapu. The island of Mango and the village of Kanokopolo were greatly affected from the volcanic eruption and the tsunami earlier this year. The Lord Chamberlain Mosesseva Kasiwala says... The main aim of the Paletua project is to assist the process of recovery for the people of Mango and Kanakupolo. Especially that during this period, the people of Mango are temporarily using the church hall at Longolongo and will resettle on the island of Ewa on a village called Ta'anga, while the people of Kanakupolo will move further inland to the village of Matatoa in Dongatapo. Both Anga and Matatoa are His Majesty's estates.
4: With the current situation,
6: we are trying to ensure that the new places for the victims will have the components of a Tongan village. For instance, the people of Konopolo will move to the new area called Matatoa. We will ensure that there will be a multipurpose hall available for the people A place of worship, the village will have a space for the informal sectors so they can operate their small businesses to generate income. And most importantly, the people will have enough space to accommodate their daily needs. The resettlement will see a whole new community at Matatoa. Each family will have a unit area with 30 pounds long of land from the 29.8 acres of land assigned by His Majesty for the resettlement. Each family will have a house on their piece of land.
0: The project is worth more than 24 million anga, and most of it is funded by Their Majesties. The government is helping with connecting water and electricity to these areas.
6: There are various ways we're looking at to fund this project. We're seeking financial assistance from abroad and relevant stakeholders. Negotiations have been made with donor partners. At the moment, we are yet to finalise the main design that will be used for the new homes for the victims. Funding of this project is not included in the palace office vote for the new fiscal year. It is His Majesty's private project for his people, specifically for the victims from his estates, during this recovery period.
0: Meanwhile, His Majesty's private secretary, Sione Fifita, confirmed... The people of Mango will most likely start resettling in the village of Ta'anga Ewa next month and will start on a temporary shelter while their new homes will be constructed, which is expected to complete later in the year. The village of Matatoen and Toatapo was once used as a temporary relocation area for the people of Niuafo'ou all following the eruption in 1946. You are listening to Pacific Prepared.
3: Pacific Prepared is supported by the Pacific Media Assistance Scheme with funding from the Australian Government's Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade. Any views expressed do not necessarily represent those of PACMAS or the Australian Government. It's produced and distributed in partnership with Radio Australia and networks across the Pacific, including Radio New Zealand Pacific, NBC Papua New Guinea, Palau Wave Radio, Capital FM 107 Vanuatu, FBC Fiji, Samoa National Radio 2AP SIBC Solomon Islands Broadcasting Corporation and TBC Tonga If your organisation is working in disaster preparedness or resilience keep us informed so that we can keep everybody informed Maybe you've got a story idea a personal experience to share or a topic to cover or maybe someone that we should meet. The easiest way to get in touch is to search for Pacific Prepared and then hit the Contact Us button. Have conversations about disasters. What would you do and how will you prepare? We're trying to help you make the next disaster easier for you and your family. My name is Fred Hooper. Please share any information that you've learned today and stay safe. This has been Pacific Prepared.